0: just exploring this at a young age and being attracted to it I think kind of set off my it's quite literally an awakening (laughs) like I was I was like this is you know
1: this is a thing it's the mid-80s a chance purchase arrives at a house in Edmonton Alberta Canada
0: for whatever reason they brought home this Vic-20 one day and I'm actually still not entirely sure why because they were, you know, we didn't have a lot of gadgets in our house.
1: Coming up, how a childhood obsession with early home computers and broadcast media led Justin Jackson to co-found one of the most well thought of podcast hosting platforms in the space. Hi, I'm Sean McGinty and this is Digital Awakenings: stories about people and business. So digital awakenings can hit you fast like a train or can be a long, slow realisation that you need to change the way you do what you do. The person you're going to hear from now is one of the co-founders of a podcast hosting business. In the late 90s, we called it narrowcasting, setting up a mic at home, plugging it into your computer, then uploading the resulting MP3 to be streamed or downloaded to anyone in the world who had an internet connection. The quality of the audio was often terrible, but that didn't matter. It was like an audio Wild West out there, and that was both exciting and empowering. This was a big digital awakening for me, and it changed the course of my life. Justin Jackson is the co-founder of Transistor.fm with John Buda. It's a podcast hosting company. They help podcasters distribute their work to the streaming platforms, offering great analytics alongside support and advice. He co-presents with his co-founder of Transistor.fm, the podcast Build Your SaaS Bootstrap in 2021. It's not only a deep dive into how you build a -a software-as-a-service business, it's the month-by-month story of the building of a company. This makes it compelling and worth a follow wherever you get your podcasts. So, I ask all my guests to upload three photographs that chart their own digital awakenings. The first time I see them is when we 're talking
0: uh, well I, and I sent you a photo on this i uh, let me get that should I talk about yeah should I talk about that now you or do no? that now
1: <laughs> this has to be this has to be the the comment, oh wow, okay that's you
0: so yeah that's me in and, and, and I'm, I'm having a hard time placing this photo actually because I'm born in I was born in 1980 I think I'm around five or six in this photo but I could even be younger mm. uh, my parents were both teachers and for whatever reason they brought home this Vic 20 one day I'm actually still not entirely sure why, because they were, you know, we didn't have a lot of gadgets in our house, but they brought this home and uh, clearly I was interested in it back then. Like that was, I have this photo of, of me using my first computer and uh, there was something about it that was compelling for me. I often refer back to this photo going, oh, this is kind of where it started. Commodore had this very basic computer that you could hook up to a a regular color television. It had a tape drive that you can see there, uh, which to get the tape drive to work, you had to type in sometimes pages of code because there was nothing in memory that would run the program so you'd have to type in pages of code there was also a cartridge system in the back and yeah just exploring this at a young age and being attracted to it i think kind of set off my it's quite literally an awakening <laughs> like i was i was like this is you know this is a thing and once we became a house with computers uh, that just continued, right? So we had this computer, and then we had a Tandy One Thousand, which was uh, must have been a, a two eighty six processor or something like that. And then we just kept, you know, upgrading, uh, often at my request, right? Like mm. this, this set off like me being a computer person, and uh, in the eighties, that was pretty unusual.
1: What can you remember about? the thing that delighted you by it, the thing that kept you coming back?
0: Mm -hmm. I I think just being able to uh, creatively control what was going on on screen. See, I've, I've been a strange nerd because I've always been interested in the broadcast side of things. You know, like being able to create a little program and get other, you know, my family members to use it was exciting. Being able to pretend that I was, a, you know, a, news, a journalist, and I was typing things on screen and making my own little newspapers, uh, that was interesting. Pretending that I was a TV host and this was my, you know, my broadcast center, uh, it just kind of ignited my imagination.
1: With his imagination in full flame, he created and published more and more content with a succession of early home PCs. Justin continued to broadcast to his friends and family. He made radio shows, he pretended he was on TV with the help of a cardboard cutout screen, and was the publisher of The Family Bulletin, with what we'd now call a hyperlocal demographic. He did try other more Canadian stuff.
0: I had this experience as a kid of, you know, going, "Oh, you know, I'm going to go out into the barn and I'm going to build something with some wood and nails and and I was just never very good at it. Maybe if I'd stuck with it, I could have gotten I could have gotten it, but I've just never been kind of good at, you know, doing things with my hands or building things with my hands. But computers was it was like I can mold this I can work on this digitally. It was just such a fun playground. It just felt like the potential was sky high, um, even at a young age. You can just do so much every day. You would learn something new, like oh, you can do this. Oh, oh, it can do math. Oh, it can change colors. Oh, this is how you make it flash the screen. There's just constant exploration and it's a very short feedback loop whereas and maybe maybe I'm just too impatient for woodworking (laughs) you know woodworking was a long feedback loop you know
1: Justin had worked out early he was a Canadian who can't chop trees or knock up a wood cabin over a weekend So it was fortunate that just as he hit his teenage years, his digital and creative energies collided with an entrepreneurial opportunity. I'm talking to Justin Jackson, the co-founder of Transistor.fm. Now, the first semblance of an internet in the late 80s and early 90s were bulletin boards. With the help of a few modems and some telephone lines, you could connect people all over the world through the medium of text. But then came pictures. Kind of.
0: And then RoboBoard was the first graphical bulletin board service. So this is before the web, this is before anything. It was, uh, it was made by an entrepreneur in, he, and he was a teenager at the time, Seth Hamilton in uh, Ontario, Canada. Definitely being a part of that scene ignited a lot of my business aspirations.
1: This was the very beginning of a kind of software as a service. Shareware games where if you wanted to get all the other levels, you had to send a check in the post to get an unlock code. There were monthly charges for some bulletin boards and Justin made artwork and received remuneration in the way only young people get to experience.
0: I was drawing interfaces for different BBSs, like menus and art and things like that. Getting paid in status, <laughs> like you know, we'll we'll, we'll give you uh, we'll give you these features or whatever. As a kid, that was gratifying because it's always nice as a kid to be told you're good at something and to to have that feedback. Uh, and I was young, and a lot of these are nerdier, older people, right, that are saying, "Oh, wow, that's really good art," or uh, "Here, I'll give you special access," or. Yeah, it was just a really wonderful ecosystem.
1: So he could see that digital business opportunities were out there. He knew them. He was playing the games made by the people at home in their bedrooms. He made some websites for his dad and a few local companies, but his first real foray into the world of business, surprisingly wasn't digital at all.
0: Out of college I worked for a snowboard manufacturing company so I I had some experience in the industry.
1: Despite being knee deep in digital opportunities he set up a snowboard shop. His explanation for doing this echoes that of many entrepreneurs from smaller towns all over the world.
0: Our imagination really is bound by the people we hang out with and what we can see around us and uh it seems like the key is getting outside of that bubble. Like if I'd gone to New York City, I think earlier in my life and just had my eyes open to, whoa, like there, there's, this is a whole new world that I didn't really experience. Or maybe even more succinctly, if I'd met peers that were doing other things outside of my local bubble in this, you know, in this smaller town.
1: In short, the snowboard shop's Didn't work out, so they closed down. He graduated into a recession, so he basically needed a job, and he found one with a charity. Then came the moment of his real digital awakening. He was given an actual physical book made of actual physical trees by an actual human.
0: When I turned 28, I had an older friend, mentor, who had started a software company, asked me to come work for him that was in some ways like starting at the bottom again but you know I'd always still I'd still been doing things with computers I'd still been interested I'd still been making things but the first day he maybe not first day but first week he gave me this book by 37signals called getting real and it's it's free online you can search for it getting real book the headline is the smarter faster way to build a company online. And it's just a a series of essays on like, this is how they bootstrapped their company, Basecamp.
1: Basecamp is a project management software that began life in the early noughties and is still going today. They've recently battled with both Google and Apple over fairness issues. So back to the book.
0: Like I finished it in a day. I probably read it on the bus on the way home from work. It ignited in me again, this like entrepreneurial desire this desire to make things, this desire to build software, like it was all of those things. It just ignited my imagination again. Like, oh, this is possible. I think that set me back on that journey of, okay, I want to make things with computers and this is a great place to start a business. It's like, it's here. And, it, and then eventually I, I, uh, I applied for a job there a few times. They flew me to Chicago and I spent a whole day with them and they offered me the job. I ended up saying no, but that experience of being there the whole day, because they were kind of like this mythical thing in my head. But then, you know, going there, I'm in my early 30s, first time in Chicago, going and spending a day with them made me realize these are just regular people. Like there's, there's, there's nothing magical about them. They're just... Every day, there are uh, taking actions that have culminated in what I see here. The magic was kind of taken out of it. It just seemed like this is something I could just work on every day.
1: So he did. He put things in motion. His Basecamp friends started their successful business by blogging. So he started a blog. The magic of publishing words into a digital ether is still with Justin.
0: Blogging. Incredible to me still. Like it it, the it takes me back to publishing a, a newspaper for my family. And it just, the scale just ex- gets expanded. So little old me writing words on my keyboard in Edmonton, Alberta at the time, and then copying that HTML file via FTP up to a web server somewhere. Like it is now accessible and findable by people all over the world. Unbelievable, the wonder of that is still incredible to me. Even if it's just 100 people or 50 people or 10 people that find it and read it, I'm still blown away that this is a thing that happens. And it's so simple. Like HTML is relatively easy to learn. It has all those other benefits, like you can customize it. You can go as simple or as deep as you want. And uh, that's that third image I sent you is, I wrote this essay.
1: Looking at it. Uh, This essay
0: is the first, viral thing I've ever written. It's been viewed millions of times. It's been translated into multiple languages. It's, uh, for some people, it's like what I'm most well-known for. And it's, it's kind of an ode to the beauty of a simple HTML web page. It's six kilobytes. Uh, I didn't need anything fancy to do it. I just wrote it. I put it up on a web server. It's simple. The most incredible thing is that you're reading it. like you, wherever you are, uh, in Pakistan or Japan or the UK or anywhere, like you're reading it. I wrote these words and you're reading them. This is incredible.
1: So he's blogging along when in 2012, a friend asked him to do a podcast. He'd loved radio all his life, so what's not to like? He could effectively start his own radio station, something he'd asked about doing years before.
0: This guy at my church, we went to this Anglican church, and uh, there was this wealthy guy that bought a radio station. And I remember going up to him after church and saying, hey, I heard you just bought C G A C A and being really excited. I was probably a teenager. I said, I want to do that one day. Like, I want to have a radio station. Like, what what does it take? And he was kind of like, well, like millions of dollars just like, like it's like and you got to get regulatory approval and you know you got to go through the crtc here in canada and and it was just kind of a downer like oh well i guess that's not possible for me and then fast forward to 2012 and even before that i've been listening to podcasts probably since 2008 well this is possible this is like blogging it's like i record audio using my you know, my crappy headphones and record it onto my iPhone and then just upload it to a server somewhere and people can find it and listen to it. This is, this is like my own radio station. This is unbelievable.
1: So I'm interested in the kind of factors that improve our chances of encountering a digital awakening, like asking lots of questions or just being interested in stuff you don't know about. They're all good, says Justin, but he's already thought this through.
0: Every leveling up I've had in my life has come as at the result of a human connection, like meeting somebody, somebody that I met who gave me some insight, who opened up my imagination to something else. Now, this can happen through books. This can happen through podcasts, and it does. But it also needs to happen, I think, in one-to-one relationships,
1: It is reassuring to know that someone at the forefront of the digital audio distribution industry sees people as the primary route for his own digital awakening. So Justin developed his online business. He'd written some digital books. He had a course helping software developers to market their work better. Things were okay, he was earning. His peer group was similarly engaged, trying to make a living out of doing the digital stuff they loved. But sometimes to really see the potential in an idea that you've been kicking around for a while, It takes a person, someone you know, someone that trusts you, someone in your network to share something with you. A story, a contact, or in this case, cold hard numbers with dollar signs attached. They
0: just opened up their bank accounts to me in, you know, in DMs, the the kind of the back channels of the internet. And that transparency made me like, whoa, like that's possible? Wow. Like this is... I didn't even realize that was possible. Also, seeing the characteristics of the markets they were serving and the momentum in the markets they were serving, and how much of a difference that made, that was a key unlocking in my brain. And we're talking about someone who's been interested in business since I was a kid, but you know, in now like my late thirties, this kind of got
1: unlocked. Justin was learning some big lessons now, but one he hadn't cracked was to move away from being a solo entrepreneur. He met his business partner in Transistor.fm, John Buder, Online, but they soon met up at a conference and got talking face to face. He'd seen the money that could be made by his peers. He'd seen that serving a fast growing market is a good plan. And he'd met someone whose skills and experience were a perfect complement to his own. Tom? had found his Jerry.
0: We came together and it was like uh, Voltron.
1: So if you weren't watching children's television in the 80s and you only used Netflix for The Crown and documentaries about mass murderers, you may not know Voltron is a giant super robot.
0: We were able to do way more together than we were apart.
1: I'm searching now for the live action figures of Justin and John in their Transistor.fm giant super robot. Transistor.fm on Product Hunt is a five out of five scoring podcast hosting platform who are known for engaging with their customers and keeping it super simple. As of now, they host more than 14,000 podcasts from over 5,000 creators and companies. Justin has had many lessons and a number of digital awakenings since he got that Commodore VIC-20 home computer at some point in the mid-80s. He's gone from being a prolific producer of content as a child for his family and friends, to running a company that offers the creators of podcasts a simple way to distribute the fruits of their labour all over the world. He also hits on a point I tell any company owner or new music artist who'll listen.
0: Moving forward, it seems the strategy is to do arbitrage where you go on those platforms, you go on YouTube and you take as much of that audience and distribution as you can for yourself. You jump on those trains like you know, Clubhouse Audio is a big thing right now and people are gaining millions of followers. Yeah, do the arbitrage on these centralized platforms, but then bring it over to an ecosystem that you own. And so it's okay for an artist to submit their music to Spotify. Sure. Do do the arbitrage. Get them to distribute your music. But, you know, make your last track a bonus prize track and have a call to action saying, Hey, if you're listening to this record and you like it, like go to our website Sign up for our email list. We don't control distribution here. Spotify can shut us down anytime. We want a direct relationship with you. Figure out how to grab that audience and bring it over to your side.
1: This is such an important thing to remember for every business owner. Don't rely on social media companies to treat you fairly or look after your customers because they won't. They'll find every way to get your customers to use the businesses that pay them more money. So you have to bring your customers home to your own content on your own platform. And there's a lot of evidence to show it works for creators and businesses that do that. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Justin Jackson from Transistor.fm for telling us his own digital awakenings. When I'm not making this podcast, I enable small and medium-sized businesses to seize the digital opportunities around them. Go to benleymcginty.co.uk to find out more. The music through this podcast is made by the remarkable band from Lancashire in the UK, Northling. There's a link in the show notes. Follow Digital Awakenings wherever you get your podcast and go to digitalawakenings.co.uk or email me, sean at digitalawakenings.co.uk. This podcast comes out on the first and third Sunday of every month. I'll see you in two weeks.